0: 60 degrees, ha ha, 360 degrees, ha ha, 360 360, 360, 360, 360 degrees, high high 360.
1: All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. This week on Full Circle, we get some information on the 50th anniversary gathering for Wounded Knee and the fight to free Leonard Peltier, imprisoned now for 48 years for a crime he did not commit. On tonight's show, we'll speak with Carla Cheyenne, an organizer for the 50th anniversary of Wounded Knee. We'll also hear from Don Lawson of the Eagle and the Condor Coalition. She is helping to organize a rally at the California State Capitol calling for freedom for Leonard Peltier. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Will and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And tonight we'll be focusing on Native American history, particularly Wounded Knee, 1890 and 1973. Also, we, talk, also we will be talking about the case of Leonard Peltier, the AIM activist. Wounded Knee, located on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, was the site of two conflicts between Native Americans and the U.S. government. This involved the U.S. Army in an 1890 massacre. In December of 1890, the U.S. Army 7th Cavalry, working to disarm members of the Lakota Sioux, opened fire on a Lakota camp with machine guns. This left 150 to 300 men, women, and children dead, with many dozens of others wounded. And although many fled to escape on foot, they were chased down and killed where they were found. Later in the 1970s, American Indian activists with the American Indian Movement and their supporters returned to the sacred site of Wounded Knee, occupying the area in 1973 in protest of treatment and conditions in the territories. Native people were being killed and no one was being held responsible during a time known as the Reign of Terror. It was coordinated by the tribal chairman Dick Wilson, along with the support of the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the FBI, who armed Dick Wilson and his goon squad, the guardians of the Oglala Nation. To learn more about this history and the upcoming 50th anniversary commemoration, I spoke with AIM activist Carla Cheyenne. Now here to talk about this history and the legacy of Wounded Knee 1890 and 1973 is our special guest tonight, Carla Cheyenne, and she is a AIM organizer in Wagner, South Dakota, and she's helping to organize the 50th anniversary that's coming up. And she's going to give us a little more history and tell us um, what's going to happen at the um, 50th anniversary gathering of Wounded Knee. Welcome Carla Cheyenne to KPFA in full circle. Thank you. Now I kind of started off in the opening of the interview with a little history, but I'd like to ask you to as a person that grew up more immersed in this history and these territories, talk about what you learned about Wounded Knee eighteen ninety as you grow up and give us a little introduction to yourself and, you know, where you are from.
2: I am the organizer for the Dakota AIM Grassroots out of South Dakota, a chapter that's been around since the 1990s. My husband is the director of this chapter. I've been doing this for approximately 13 years now. Besides my regular work that I do, um, I work for the Indian Health Service as a business office manager. So, I've been doing the organizing for quite a while now. Um, it's a chapter that uh, Russell Means and the Means Boys, they call them his brothers, that had this chapter back in the early 1990s. That um, my husband was mentored by Russell Means um, and carried on the chapter now that he's is um, no longer with us. But I live in Wagner for, you know, to work for the Indian Health Service. But I'm originally from the Oglala Sioux Tribe in Pine Ridge, South Dakota.
1: So that's right in the the history and the heart of, you know, where this all happened. Can you um kind of take us through what it was like growing up and, you know, being ex- more exposed to that history? Because a lot of, of regular average Americans, I don't think really not only don't know the history, but of course, weren't immersed in it like you were. So what was it like, um, for someone that grew up immersed in that history? What was the stories and the history that you were given about what happened? Let's say first at Wounded Knee 1890, and then we'll move on to, to what we're going to be honoring. It's 1973, but what was it like growing up and, um, being told these histories directly
2: well learning from my grandparents that uh, one of my ancestors was in windy in 1890 ghost horse i believe is the last name and to me enrich is it was life that was life for me and knowing this history and stuff that our people went through did kind of kind of hit hard, you know, to the heart, knowing what they went through at that time. Um, At one point in history, when I was younger, they used to call it a war, which it's not a war, it was a massacre. So learning that, knowing what our people went through, and I tell my kids now that um, it was a massacre, you know, our people were hungry and only wanted help and got murdered for that they weren't out there to fight. They were there to ask for help and then got murdered for it. So to me, that's history. And it's, it's stuff that doesn't happen every day in life. And, you know, uh, just knowing this history and stuff about my ancestors um, really hits hard on, you know, my heart and stuff, knowing that they had to um, go through this and, you know, freezing and, you know, just wanting some help. And in return, they were murdered for that. The reasons were because of our ceremonies and they were thinking they were war dances and stuff at the time, which they weren't. They were ceremonies that were part of our way of life. So, you know, um, always hold that. And I always teach my children the true history and not history that was put out there that is not correct.
1: Definitely. And this history includes the ghost dance, which is what some of the history says was happening there and that some of the settlers and of course the military um, feared the ghost dance because for us, for Indian people, it meant um, a returning of the ways of the past when uh, the Indians would again control their own lands and control their own um, destiny on those lands.
2: Yep. And like I said, um, it's a ceremony, you know, it's, it's, it's our way of life and it's a ceremony and they were trying to take that away from us. Um, even up to like in the 70s, the AIM people really fought hard to keep our ceremonies and they were trying to get those taken away from us, thinking that these ceremonies that we have, our way of life was to be, I don't know how to say it, like it was against them. They were using these ceremonies. They weren't thinking they were ceremonies. They were like, they called them war dances or war, anyway, preparing for war or whatever, but that's not what it was. It was our way of life. There's a way of life that we lived, you know, um, we lived with star knowledge and stuff. And we knew these before there was, Astro, astro, how do you say that? Astronomy?
1: Astrology or, or astronomy. Astrology,
2: yeah. yeah. And we knew that way before them. You know, we knew the star constellations and stuff. And we have our own names for them. And and that's how they lived. You know, they, they followed the stars. And that's how our year went out in a different position of the stars is when we knew it was time for the spring ceremonies for the summer ceremonies such as the sun dance and then our fall ceremonies and you know in december whenever we harvest our medicines for our ceremonies you know they followed that and you know there's a lot behind that that the the non-native didn't understand and they thought it was um stuff that we used to fight or you know that we were preparing for war and that's what I guess probably scared them I don't know what they interpreted it into but then so when they wanted to do these ceremonies they assumed that they were preparing for war and then they wanted to be ahead of that and then ended up you know with things such as the Wounded Knee Massacre of eighteen ninety.
1: And, um, you started to mention, uh, 1973. Let's talk about that instance because, um, you fast forward and, you know, just thinking back to, um, you know, 1890, that's people think a hundred plus years is a long time, but it's actually not that long ago. In fact, my grandma is just about to turn 100, um, years old right now. So this, history is only far back as our great grandparents in many cases but you moved on a little bit to 1973 let's talk about that era for a minute a minute because as you said even then um, there was a battle for traditional ways and being more assimilated into American living and um, out there in the um, the Dakotas in particularly around the Pine Ridge Reservation there was this tribal chairman dick wilson who ran what they called the the goon squad the guardians of the oglala nation and let's talk about that period for a minute because this is what led up to the the 1973 wounded knee which we're going to be honoring 50 years so tell us about what life was like at that time around the reservation because as you mentioned there was still a battle between uh, people that wanted to have keep their traditions, keep the traditional ways, which is very important. And then more of the Dick Wilson crowd who was kind of working with the government, um, being funded and armed by the government. Tell us a little bit about the, the, the climate on the ground around the Pine Ridge Reservation and that area before the 1973 Wounded Knee and the occupation happened?
2: Well, um, I was told by, you know, my parents and grandparents and, um, and because I work as an organizer for the AIM, we have people that, or we have on our board elders um, from that time that was actually in Wadidni. And I learned a lot of from them um, that it, They called it that time the reign of terror, which you know a lot of things went on in Pine Ridge that um, shouldn't have been happening—the murders and um, and it it was the people there that were members of the Oglala Sioux tribe that were a group against another group, and they called it the Goon Squad and the traditionalist, and you know my family was traditional and you know, we have our ceremonies, that's how we live. We have, you know, the sun dances and stuff. We still live that way up to this day. And there was a point in time where um, our family actually had to hide our sun dances and stuff from that because, you know, in the 70s, they had a place in Pine Ridge called the Sundance, they, they call it now the old Sundance grounds, but they had one big Sundance there and they would Sundance and then at noon, they stop the Sundance, the actual, the priest will come in and do communion or whatever it is they call it. And then they stop the Sundance and then they have like a carnival and everything. Um, The AIM leaders, uh, Russell Means, Dennis Banks, um, Clyde Belcourt, they were at the Sundance in the 70s and actually stopped the priest. They actually literally, they threw the priest out and at that time, they, you know, they fought for our way because the priest would come and stop the Sundance. And, you know, so they asked him to leave and that literally just threw him out of the the Sundance. And um, I believe that was in like 1972 or 71. I believe I can't remember the exact date, but they used to have that Sundance every year. And that was one instance that happened with the AIM leaders there.
1: And this was the type of history and incident that led up to the occupation of Wounded Knee that we will be honoring coming up. And this, as you said, was a dark time in the territories when people on the reservation were being killed at alarming rates. Um, Official records are like 50 and 60, but some say around 300 people could have been killed. And there was a literal battle going on to preserve the traditional ways and to live in peace. And you were just describing one incident, but there was many incidents.
2: hmm Yes. Many incidents where um, these these goon squads would stop um, the traditionalists on the road and ransack their cars and beat them. And, you know, murders that are still unsolved today that's, you know, never been solved because that kind of thing was happening on a reservation at that time. And what it was is the, the, the president at that time wanted uh, these traditionalists' land and, you know, different things like that. And so when it came time, they had a meeting out to a community called Calico. And my mother went with her work group at that time. The, they call it the Community Health Representatives My grandmother, um, Geraldine Janice, she was the supervisor at that time of the CHRs. They called them the CHRs. They all went to Calico because there was a meeting called by many people. There's many people there, but the story that I learned from my aunt, she said um, my grandmother and her her employees went there and they made a decision at that time to go to Wounded Knee because they said they wanted to go to their ancestors, stand with their ancestors, the ones that passed, you know, were murdered and passed away and thrown into a massive grave in Wounded Knee. That They said they wanted to be with their ancestors, so they made that decision to go to Wounded Knee. And when that happened, these ones that worked, because they were working for the tribe, they lost their jobs because of it. they they terminated them because they went against the tribal president.
1: And the outcome of many of these meetings was what led to the occupation of Wounded Knee for nearly two and a half months and with numerous shootouts. Tell us more about that time.
2: Yes, when they went to Wounded Knee, that was on February 27th, 1973. And they were there for 71 days. And during that time, eventually the United States government became part of it. Um, I guess teaming up with the goon squad, you know, the other side. So they faced off every day with um, live gunfights or shootouts every day for 71 days. They even made it to where... <clears throat> They wouldn't let people take food in, like trying to starve them out. But then that's when allies of the ones that were there were flying in, in helicopters, dropping food and what they can to the people. We had people from Wunditney, for example, like Cleon Ice and her sister Frances, would travel at night and go in with food for the people risking their lives, you know, because there's live life firing all the time there. And so, the, you know, crawling and going through ravines and stuff just to take food to the people there and then coming back out, risking their lives, coming back out. That's just <clears throat> two of them there. But many people, there's lots of people that went and, um, you know, risked their lives in doing that. And. One instance, too, when Russell Means and his his good friend, uh, Dickie Marshall, Dickie put a date, you know, he was a big target, Russell Means. You know, he was a very powerful warrior and very strong with his words. He was a target. So <clears throat> Dickie, his really good friend at the time, put on Russell's jacket and went, out into fire and they shot at him thinking that was Russell because they knew he had that jacket on and that gave Russell freedom, or I guess the time to get to where he needed to go. You know, those are the kind of stories that I've heard. And, you know, people traveling to when they got stopped, like I said, their cars ransacked, beaten, you know, it was like, like they said, arena terror, terrorized daily. If he wasn't a goon, then he was terrorized.
1: And this was out in some remote territories and you might find yourself pulled over by a car full of what they called the goons, the goon squad. And, you know, you would be in the middle of nowhere and at the mercy of these folks. And that's how people ended up being killed and disappeared, beat up. Well, let's let's move into the lasting legacy. What what has this kind of history left you all with out there in those territories? You know, what, what is the lasting legacy as you see it of those times when um, people were stopped, people were beat up, people were killed. What has that meant to you all nowadays?
2: Well, even up to this day, you know, there's still some animosity amongst families and stuff because of it. Cause like some people never got justice for their families and, you know, to be called a goon is like a bad word <laughs> On, in, in Pine Ridge. And, you know, even as, as our kids grow up, they, they know that it's, it's, it's the worst thing you could be called. It's not as bad as it was back in the 70s, but yet uh, there's still the animosity between the, the members of our tribe. And it's not as bad, but it's still there.
1: You know, you could just imagine being in a, um, a small community and maybe some um, after all this time from the 70s, it's only 50 years and descendants of, you know, people that may have been in the goon squad are still living amongst people that lost family members uh, to those folks. So I imagine it's, it still must carry on. All right. This is Free Will and Franklin That is part one of my conversation with Carla Cheyenne speaking about the history of Wounded Knee and the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. We're going to take a short music break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Wounded Knee 50th Anniversary Commemoration. Stay tuned.
0: me in your boarding school make me learn your white man rule be a fool oh, oh, oh. Chicago one cold December day relocation extermination. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, da, hey, da. Make me leave my home, my friend. I think I'll go back there again. Wounded knee. I wanna be free. Ho,
1: ho, 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 ho,
0: ho. When you're
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and kpfa.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network, and that song you just heard was Wounded Knee by Floyd Red Crow Westerman. Thank you, Floyd, longtime Lakota singer, songwriter, and of course, activist for his people. Coming up next, we're going to return to part two of my interview with Carla Cheyenne, one of the organizers for the 50th anniversary commemoration of the standoff at Wounded Knee. In this next clip, she'll talk about the upcoming event and the case of Leonard Peltier. Carla is part of the Leonard Peltier Defense Committee. And on Monday, February 6th, there'll be a global day of action. So she'll bring us up to date on what Leonard means to our people and to her people, especially the Lakota people. Check it out right here on Full Circle KPFA. Well, thanks for all this history and uh, sharing, you know, what it means to you being someone that's immersed in it so people that, you know, didn't grow up with that history can try to get a little bit of understanding of what folks went through out there. Can you quickly just kind of run through... um, The gathering that's about to happen, Uh, people are going to be coming from all over the country and probably the world um, for the 50th anniversary commemoration of the 1973 Wounded Knee. Uh, Tell us what people could expect if they are planning on heading out there.
2: Well, a while back, I can't remember exactly when, but that day, February 27th, became a tribal holiday and they call it the Liberation Day. That's how they see it is liberation now. And we make it into an honoring. So we honor those that fought during that time to, you know, give us this, I don't know how to say it, freedom of speech, I guess. I don't know. At that time, it was not good to speak up or whatever, you know, because at that time, you know, the goons, when they did, Pull over these people. it didn't matter if they were elder or not. they still abused these people, hurt them and murdered them and whatnot. but so now it's an honoring for these people that took that stand and fought for those 71 days in knee for our rights. And so this is the 50th year, so we honor those that was in knee We honor the ones that are still alive. We still remember the ones that passed away. You know, the big person that was in this there that really spoke for the people was Russell Means. You know, he's a member of the Oglala Sioux Tribe. His mother is from where I live, um, the Yankton Sioux Tribe. And, you know, he's really thought of, they talk about him in newspapers and books, and he really fought for the people. He was, you know, even said to be a great warrior such as Crazy Horse, and there's kids that look up to him, like, for example, my son, that's his hero. It's not Spider Man. It's not Batman. It's Russell Means. You know, that kind of thing. Kind of how he has this, you know, this honor amongst our people. And uh, our, our spiritual man, uh, Full Scroll and Matthew King, all of these people, we honor them. And even the women, such as Madonna Thunderhawk and her son. Helen Redfeather, she was in Windy. you know, all these women that, the matriarchs, you know our people honor women because the women give life and if it wasn't for the women, you know your life wouldn't exist so during this time we're going to have events that's going to honor a lot of people that's been there it's their families, we ask the families to come forward if you want to honor your loved one, you know so, you know, there's families that are paying for categories at the powwow so when these dancers dance they'll get the first place and that that person that's honoring getting honored in his memory or in her honor this person one, you know will get that get that first place prize you know that kind of thing and they're bringing honoring cakes and memorial cakes for those ones that passed on people that are still here I guess in a white way, these people are our heroes that took this stand. They were almost starved. They almost froze. They were shot at. Some of them died there. You know, those are our heroes.
1: And this will take place over a, um, a five-day period in South Dakota. I believe it's the, the 24th through the 27th. Um, where could people find more information about the event if they wanted to make the journey out there and honor these folks along with you?
2: If you look up on um, social media, Facebook, because we just use Facebook right now, and it's under the Liberation Day event of 2023. Um, I've been posting a lot of the flyers and whatnot. I'm not the one coordinating all of it. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that are doing this. We've been meeting for quite some time now since August, September, and on like a monthly basis, but now it's more like weekly because it's getting closer to the time they can go there, find information. We have a lot of information out on the powwow. We'll soon have other stuff out, but we have sponsors such as Indian Collective, Wombly Ska, Dance Club, um, Society, all the AIM chapters across um, the United States that are sponsoring. Um, This is a big commemoration to those warriors that fought in 1973 and it's the 50th there's going to be a lot of people there and speaking as the Oglala, as an Oglala member we're welcoming everybody there i usually don't do too much during this event because i had a sister her name's olawa sarah martinez her lakota name is oyate akia najiwi means um she fights for the people and she protects the people. And she was the biggest organizer for this. She was always doing it every year. She passed away this year. So our powwow is in name of her honoring. And, you know, this is exciting for me. We're still mourning her passing, but yet yeah, I'm happy because I know she'll be there with us in spirit.
1: I'm so sorry for the loss of your sister, but I'm glad you can honor her in this way. And just a quick reminder to everybody out there, if you missed these links or information, we will post all the links and information on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And Carla, you wanted to remind us about something else?
2: And then also we're we're asking um, the people when they come to the event to bring their own dishes and not to use styrofoam, because we want to be good to Uchi Maka, Mother Earth. If you bring your own dishes and you're in line for food and stuff, she'll give you a raffle ticket or somebody will. And during the powwow, you are in the drawing to win something for being good to Mother Earth.
1: All right, well, thank you for all that. Well, before I let you go, Carla, I want to get you to just get some words um that i'm going to be talking about in our next segment and that is leonard peltier because leonard is someone that came out during the time we talked about in the 70s and was part of that movement and um, he was a leader of the american indian movement and an enrolled member of the turtle mountain chippewa tribe he also had lakota and dakota descent And Leonard was convicted of murdering two FBI agents during a shootout on the Pine Ridge Reservation in 1975, which is kind of the years we were talking about. 73 Wounded Knee and the the reign of terror all built up. And to this point when uh, Leonard found his way out there to help with this fight and his case was full of prosecutorial misconduct, judicial prejudice and even now, the government admits they really don't know who shot the FBI agents, but they won't give Leonard a new trial or grant him any sort of amnesty or a compassionate release. And a lot of feel this is based on pure revenge and systemic racism within the system. Can you talk about the importance of Leonard Peltier to your community and why this is such an important time to get Leonard uh, released since February 6th will be marking 48 years of Leonard being held in maximum security for a crime that he did not commit. Talk about the importance of Leonard Peltier to the community there and the importance of getting him released at this moment.
2: Yes, um, there is documentations even from the prosecutor that states that um, he did not have a fair trial. Again, um, I didn't mention that at the beginning, but I'm also a board member of the International um, Leonard Paltier Defense Committee on February 6th, also in Rapid City at the Federal Building. They're going to have a rally for him there as well, because then it's going to be that date is 48 years that he's been in prison, and he is sick, and you know it's just time for him to come home. We're working on clemency for him. He's basically sacrificed for what happened to those FBI agents because, you know, they don't have evidence. He's just wrongly accused and he's in there. He's, he's, he's been in there for 48 years and it, that's a long time for something that you didn't do. And I pray that they gave him clemency soon. He deserves to come home and be with his family, with his uh, grandchildren, um, I grew up knowing one of his sons, and his son passed away. And up to the day he passed away, he, he's been fighting for his father's freedom. And every summer in uh, June, June 26 is the day that they had the shootout. They have a commemoration on June 26 and uh, the Koda AIM Grassroots has a freedom run where the kids run. And even in the hottest weather, they're running, praying for his freedom.
1: Yes, uh, Leonard uh, needs his freedom now, and he was in a very important part of that movement. And as you said, he has sacrificed his life these past 48 years um, for the movement, and they have held him as this sacrificial lamb for those two FBI agents. And that seems to be why the the presidents um, going back all these years have not granted him a presidential pardon and we're going to be demanding that joe biden um, do that before he is out of office and again as carla mentioned on february 6th this year 2023 that will mark 48 years in prison for leonard Peltier, and there'll be protests at state capitals at federal buildings all around the country And I will post a link to the event in Sacramento on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. And coming up next, we're going to get some more information on that event in Sacramento. But first, um, let me say thank you to my guest that we've been speaking with for the past 30 minutes here. Carla Cheyenne, AIM organizer from Wagner, South Dakota, also a member of the Leonard Peltier Defense Committee. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing for Leonard and, of course, for the big 50th anniversary commemoration of Wounded Knee happening in South Dakota. And I look forward to meeting you in person when I get out there.
2: Yes, thank you. And also one thing before we leave, um, if you can go live with your rallies across the nation on February 6th, that would be great. And post them to the International Leonard Peltier Defense Committee page on um, Facebook. Um, My sister, my good friend, Jean Roach, who was also at the shootout when she was 13 years old, is the person that does that page. So I'm sure she'll be so happy to have you guys do your recordings and post it to the page so everybody could see it.
1: All right. I uh, mentioned that page again.
2: It is the International Leonard Peltier Defense Committee page on the Facebook.
1: International Leonard Peltier Defense Committee page on Facebook. I will also have a link to that. So don't forget if you're out there in action on February 6th, uh, link your live videos to that page Again, uh, Carla, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and to bring us your personal uh, connections to this this historic space, this historic place, and these historic actions from that community in the um, Dakotas. Thank you very much.
2: Yes, you're welcome, uh, as much as I know. <laughs>
1: All right, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org. That was part two of my interview with Carla Cheyenne, AIM organizer, helping to organize the 50th anniversary commemoration of the standoff at Wounded Knee. Again, a big shout out to Carla. And I'll have all the important links and information she provided on our website, KPFAapprentice.org just after the show tonight we're going to take another short music break and when we return we'll continue our conversation on leonard peltier and we'll talk about the upcoming rally at the sacramento state capitol in sacramento stay tuned
0: You know you were down ass warrior United States government is true has proved it to the U.S. all alone. The hidden documents that can free you from your cell I pray someday you walk out of your living hell They took most of your life, dirty long knives To you I fly this kind, to let you know I feel to strive Clinton cheats on his wife, he had no alibi Promised you a pardon, but they were all white lies But he gave on to his brother-in-law, that crooked-ass bastard A new millennium and we still slaves to the masters pale cheered at 30 years to Denied parole, denied a fair trial, that's just the way it goes. But the beat goes on from our ancestral drums. War, patent, AKs, devils, here we come. We'll never bow down, Mr. Bush will call you Majesty. Pale tears, a political prisoner, we demand amnesty and immunity. From all my native community, together we stand, divided we fall, we need unity. The struggle continues, never forget wounded knee. In 1890, over Lala, 1973 two of yours were killed compared to our millions your own damn people blown up government buildings people living in glass houses shouldn't throw stones pale my brother man you are not alone doing time for a crime that you didn't commit the government is guilty of more than that murder one theft false imprisonment and rape trespassing strong armed robbery and hate the slavery and other hate crimes. You think I hate your people just because you hate mine?
1: Welcome back to Full Circle right here on ninety four point one FM KPFA. You just heard The Beat Goes On, a tribute to Leonard Peltier by Buggin Malone. Up next, we continue our conversation about Leonard Peltier. All this history we've been speaking about tonight, the mistreatment, the land theft, the killings, all this led to Leonard Peltier heading to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in the early 70s. Leonard is unfortunately best known for being implicated in a shootout at the Pine Ridge Reservation on June 26, 1975, which left two FBI agents dead and one AIM activist, Joe Stunts. Peltier was at the Pine Ridge Reservation with other AIM activists assisting traditional leaders and their people, providing protection from the violence that was being perpetrated by the goon squad. Leonard was tried and convicted of both FBI agents' murders in 1977. Serving two life sentences, Leonard continues to maintain his innocence and advocates for indigenous people's rights from his prison cell. Fast forward to now, 2023, Leonard has been languishing in a maximum security prison for 48 years. Coming up Monday, February 6th, activists will gather around the globe to demand freedom for Leonard Peltier. Up next, we'll speak with Don Lawson, an organizer with the Eagle and the Condor Coalition. They're organizing a rally at the California State Capitol in Sacramento. All right, welcome back to Full Circle. This is Freewell and Franklin, and um, we're going to continue our conversation on Leonard Peltier because coming up On Monday, February 6th, there'll be nationwide protests all around the country at different state capitals, at different federal buildings, and we are going to have a a special um, gathering ourselves here at the Sacramento State Capitol and joining me to discuss Leonard's case and to continue our conversation and also talk about the upcoming event at the state capitol is Don Lawson? How you doing, Don?
3: I'm doing great, Frank. Thank you for having me. And these events will be global. Uh, there are huge supporters all over the globe. Germany is really big on getting Winter out of prison. Every people all over the world want this man out. Cuba is calling us out on human rights violations. I mean, one constitutional violation will set a prisoner free. Leonard, they started with violating international treaty law by threatening the developmentally mentally disabled woman into signing three false affidavits.
1: Let's get into a little bit of Leonard's case. Um, but before we do, real quick, tell me about the organization and the coalition of folks that have um, gathered to put on this event because on the flyer it says the eagle and the condor.
3: Yeah, the eagle and the carnivore. Joe uh, Gonzalez is bringing that together. It's a coalition of Ains, Bram Indigenous relatives, and allies. We need to bring attention to what's happening to Leonard to the masses. And a lot of what's been done is preaching to the choir, you know, people that already know about Leonard. People would not stand for this today if it happened today. They need to know that it's still happening. And the eagle and the condor is just trying to bring awareness to a different level. I mean, Leonard has said over and over again it's going to take a mass public outcry to, to get him out. We need to get in that mass public outcry. If they can come through him, they can come through any of us.
1: Definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about Leonard's case since we have, um, in our previous conversation we just had with Carla Cheyenne, um, she mentioned um, a lot about Leonard and what happened to him. But for those just joining us, tell us a little bit um, in the thumbnail kind of what happened to Leonard and why he's still in prison 48 years later.
3: Well, Pine Ridge Reservation was under attack by our uh, federal governments. They were uh, very upset over the wounded knee occupation in 1973, and they wanted uranium mining rights. They armed a corrupt tribal council with assault rifles, and during a three-year period, officially 60 people died. People that were there say it's closer to 300. Law enforcement officers killed people, killed people's dogs. There was a 15-year-old student that was raped, tortured, and murdered by a law enforcement officer. He got maybe six years. Uh, They kicked in people's doors. They shot kids. It was called the Reign of Terror. The Jumping Bull elders asked the American Indian Movement to set up camp on their property, and they did. And these two guys drive in there. They thought. It was only women and kids. Dennis Banks was on trial when most people were there. They drove in unlocked cars, plain clothes. One of them was wearing moccasins, saying that they're going to serve an arrest warrant on somebody that stole a pair of used cowboy boots. No arrest warrant was found on them. The day before, they had been kicking indoors. And there was a shootout. Two agents and a native man named Joe Stunt died. And Leonard... Co-defendants were tried separately and found not guilty by reason of self-defense. They decided to sacrifice one of uh, the information that documents have proven every piece of evidence that used in conviction was fabricated. They violated his due process several times. They violated international treaty law, getting him extradited. By threatening a developmentally disabled woman into disclosing three false affidavits, three. They have violated the due process over and over again. A parole examiner, when he heard that uh, his own prosecutor was saying they cannot prove he did anything, uh, recommended immediate release. The the parties, in their own guidelines brought in a second parole examiner and demoted the first in retaliation. That's what they do. And his own prosecutor, former Attorney General James Reynolds, said they could prove that Leonard Peltier committed no offense on Pine Ridge reservation. The FBI director just sent a letter to the president saying that Leonard is a cold-blooded killer and. Letting him go would be an injustice to the entire FBI family. So they're concerned about the FBI family. They're not concerned with justice.
1: Let me interrupt you real quick. Um, Do you think that this is the pressure that all the presidents have been getting over these years, and this is why no one has released Leonard yet?
3: Oh, absolutely. 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 William Zankl went and had a chat with Obama and told him what would happen to him if he let Leonard out. And Zankel was a special kind of awful. He raped a 15 year old girl, but DIA wanted to prosecute him, the FBI covered it up. He drove around drunk, shooting people's dogs. He blew through a uh, stop sign and killed a motorcyclist. I mean, they got the wrong people on the other side of the bar. She's the one that talked Obama out of his pardoning Leonard. The FBI thanked him for his service. And Colleen Rowley wrote a letter in response to that. She says that agents are indoctrinated with the FBI's version of advanced. I do know that if you really care about justice, and this is Colleen Rowley, former FBI agent, then the real issue now is mercy, truth, and reconciliation. To keep this going for almost 50 years, really shows the level of vindictiveness the organization has to learn about The bottom line is there's all kinds of problems in the intelligence server, which by and large never get corrected for the same reasons. Group conformity, pride, and unwillingness to admit mistakes, So that problems are covered up and never fixed. There is no oversight, none.
1: that's kind of what got us to this point where Leonard has been stuck in this this um, this torture chamber, this hell for 48 years now. Can you talk about now uh, about the event that is coming up and why this is so important to to bring this bigger awareness, this larger awareness to the people?
3: Leonard has said over and over again, it's going to shake a mass public outcry to get him out. We need to let people know this is going on. If they can do this to him, they can do it to any of us. They just proved that with Rogers' way. Silence equals complicity. We would not stand for this today, and it's still happening. That man is 78 years old. He's got severe health conditions. and not even pretending to treat. He's locked in a high-security institution. He's been locked down mostly with us for years, for a month. We didn't know if he was better alive. He's watching people being taken out on gurneys because his muscles was atrophied There is no oversight of the DOP. We have got to get him out now. Uh, you can find information at www.freeleonardouthernow.com. Post something to social media. Just commit to taking one action. Write a letter. Call your senator. Tell one person that doesn't know. Every single one of us can start a chain in action. I mean, we need to take our democracy back. We have not lost our much democracy. We've given it away. We have given it away. And Leonard Polk here is the very symbol of indigenous genocide. Because they won, he's been in prison ever since the uranium miners got their way, his granddaughter Julie Richards will be at the Sacramento Rally, along with Kimberly Boy and Joe Gonzalez.
1: Uh, can you give us the details about the February 6th gathering at the Capitol? Um, what time should people gather at the Capitol? And what will be happening um, for people that show up? What can they expect?
3: We will be on the west side of the Capitol at eleven thirty AM February sixth. We will have brochures. we will have sample letters, we will have actions that you can take. Opium Shabab will be there. Uh, uh, a rapper from your part of the the your part of town. Julie Richards, Leonard's granddaughter from Pine Midge will be coming in and speaking uh, the International Indian Treaty Council will be there. Uh, I do, you know, we need we need to make some money to get that man out of prison. Uh, I work with his prints, and we're having a fundraiser with a couple of originals. Uh, he's an exquisite artist. I mean, every it flows straight from his soul onto the canvas. Canvas. Go to that website and check out his prints com. You know, it, we can't let him die in there. We can't. I mean, his blood will be on our hands.
1: It's time for uh, Leonard's freedom. It's time to get him out.
3: He needs to go home to his family. He needs to go home to his family. I'm not going to cry because Leonard hates crying. <laughs> he likes to laugh. <laughs>
1: I appreciate all the work that you're doing. That's uh, Dawn Lawson, and she's working to help organize um, along with um, a group. She's working with the Eagle and the Condor, a coalition um, with AIM, the Brown Berets, Indigenous Relatives, and Allies. And again, they'll be gathering at the California State Capitol on the west side at 1130 a.m. on Monday, February 6th. Uh, If you're up to it, get out there and join them and spread the word, raise the voice for freedom for Leonard Peltier, who's been wrongly imprisoned for 48 years. Thank you so much, Don. I appreciate your time and, and bringing us up to date on this.
3: Thank you. Can I mention there's also an awareness page on the website. There are pictures on there. You can just post one to social media. You know, if you want to just take 10 seconds out of your day and do something like that, it would be epic and mean
1: the world to Leonard. Thank you so much. And uh, we will post a link to all these websites and connections from our previous interview and to this one, and you could post your picture to the website. This will all be linked on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. Log in and find out how you can help Leonard. If you can't get out to the rally, um, there's other things you can do like Don just mentioned making a phone call, sending a letter, uploading a picture. So, Don, again, we appreciate all the work that you're doing for Leonard, and we'll see you at the Capitol on February 6th.
3: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity,
1: Frank. You're welcome. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, Miss M. She's our executive producer, and me, Freewill and Franklin, I have been your host tonight. I am also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.